And welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And our topic today is Old Wife Tales, Legendary Remedies. You know, those tried and perhaps true folklores, folklore versus science in many cases. Um, we'll find out today what actually is behind it and what is true and what actually works. Yeah, these old wives' tales, in some respects, are kind of like <laughs> urban legends that have been passed down generation from generation, and you really don't know. It's kind of like that game of telephone you played when you were little. The more times you said something, the less it was true. Did you guys play that game? No. How does it work? Seriously? Well, I think it gets played every single day just in offices around all, <laughs> all around the country. Oh, you whisper something in the ear, and then 10 people later, it, and you the see frog it's is the red, same. whatever. in offices around the world. Very true, yeah. Yeah, but the thing that's really interesting about this topic is that a lot of these old wives' tales, they started out as some kind of way to discourage unwanted behavior or possibly warn about danger, even when it comes to health. And something that I find particularly interesting is that part of what makes an old wives' tale an old wives' tale is that The name is misleading to begin with. Yeah, I thought, of course, when we came up with this show idea, Old Wives' Tales, Legendary Remedies, that it's the wiser portion of a marriage, right? It's the older woman, the wife of the man, who has all these secrets stored up in the back of her mind and and pulls them out whenever needed. But wives Not is, so. at least at the time when they developed this phrase, wives really means woman, Or women, right? It's referring not to a married woman. Mark, what's going on over there? I was just listening to your description. That's all. I thought it was great. What did you think? Old wives' tales? It's an old wife of a married couple, no? No, I actually thought it was the tale. On, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> But what But it actually instead, is, yes. is that wives meant women. And it comes from the way we used to wor- use midwives or the way we still use midwives. These old wives' tales are based on stories told by midwives and healers who were really the people that you would go to when you were seeking medical advice. So these old wives' tales are actually kind of folk medicine. Well, and actually, you know, we grew up with, uh, I knew I grew up with all kinds of them. I remember I was told that if I sat too close to the TV, that my eyesight would, you know, be ruined. Or if I if I crossed my le- my eyes for too long, they would stay that way. I mean, Helga, did you have any of those things growing up? I don't remember about the TV thing, um, actually. I do, yeah, of course. If you cross-eye too much because it was so much fun at a certain age, right? <laughs> we, that's all we did. How extreme we could possibly be, but I remember I always felt afterwards hmm, maybe I shouldn't have. You know, maybe it's true that <laughs> one day you just somehow you know exhaust your eyes and they or they get clucked in and that's it. It it worries it has you. never is it never held true. But do well, you know anyone who? No. Well, me, but uh, <laughs> that's different. Sita, what about you? <laughs> well, what were some of the ones you grew up well, with? Well, I'm excited to talk about some of my favorite ones, the ones that we've done some research on, but I've heard some really crazy ones, my dad in particular. And those are coming up, actually. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And our topic is today, Old Wives' Tales, Legendary Remedies, that and more when we come back. Stay tuned.
Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Working from home is awesome, except when it's not. If you're working from your couch or your coffee shop, chances are you're not your most productive. For thousands of entrepreneurs, co-working is the answer. Next Space is a co-working company with offices in L.A. and the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Find an innovative workspace, a built-in community, and great networking opportunities at NextSpace. Visit nextspace.us for more information. NextSpace. Your best work happens here. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic today is old wives' tales, legendary remedies. And Sita, you were just starting to share what you grew up with. <laughs> well, you know, I've heard a lot of the ones that everybody has heard. Things like, don't crack your knuckles, otherwise you're more likely to get arthritis. Or, starve a fever, feed a cold. Or, if you go outside with wet hair, you're more likely to get sick. But my dad had some that I had never heard before when we were preparing for the show. I said, what were some of those wives' tales you used to tell me? He, you, His mom used to tell him. If you put a bowl of cracked eggs, so like, you know, egg yolks out there, right? A bowl of cracked eggs under your bed, it could cure respiratory problems for the person who's sleeping in the bed. And another one that he told me that was possibly the craziest, <laughs> coolest I've ever heard is that if you get a sty in your eye, you know those little bumps that you get that are some kind, sometimes painful right on your eyelid? Oh, yeah. What his mother used to do was she would put a, a it, it may have been his grandmother, but what she used to do is she said, if you put a pin, like a safety pin in your lapel, and it's facing the opposite direction of the sty, it draws that negative oh, energy I th- I out I thought if you poke it, it you, you, no, oh, absolutely I not. I thought we were getting into <laughs> slippery territory here, but just in the pocket below, the, in the, the lapel, metal yeah. somehow dries out the... Mm-hmm. And have you found anything that w- that can actually back I've this up? I've not tested that one, but I've tested some of the other ones that I'm excited to talk about. We picked three of our favorite wives' tales, and um, we either confirm them or dispel them coming up um, here uh, in this week's episode of An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. We had a fantastic show on how to stay cool last week, actually. Um, it's the summer sweltering heat everywhere in the country. 
and we um, had an entire hour dedicated on the best tips, both food and non-food, on how to stay cool. Yeah, well... It's a time when everybody is overwhelmed by soaring temperatures and there are lots of things that you can do, simple tricks about what you eat and how you go about your day to help you stay cool. So that was fun to demystify. Yes, if you missed that show, go to anagandaconversation.com or iTunes. You can also follow us on facebook.com forward slash anagandaconversation for all the world here in the studio brought to you via social media, Mark's Produce Tips um, Mark, we had a great what's in season last week. What was that about again? Peaches. Peaches. <laughs> His eyes became watery. Yes, <laughs> your favorite. Um, are they still pretty good? Uh, yeah, they're good. This is the time. This, this, These few weeks right now are the best peach weeks in yeah. all make of sure, summer. Make sure you try them. And well, and I do have to say, Mark, there's one tip that you told me once about how to pick a good peach that I didn't hear you get a chance to say last week. So I want me to make sure that our audience gets to hear it because for me, it makes all the difference between picking a mediocre peach and picking a peach that's the best peach you've or ever tasted. Or a good one and a super one. And what and what was that for you? It had to do with the it shine. glowing. The shine. Well, there's there's an underglow, <laughs> like an orange underglow, that's in a really good peach. It's not the red that actually makes a really good peach. It's that orange undercolor and glow that. And actually, you had an experience with that, didn't you? I did. I was I was away for the weekend, looking at beautiful fruit <laughs> sitting on a bar because we were celebrating a holiday, and. The glow that was coming off of the peaches that were facing me, it was like, that one's ready, that one's ready, that one needs a day, that one needs a few hours. It was so clear which ones looked like fluorescent light bulbs. And it was know, gorgeous. Yeah, I was just saying, we are, now we're using th- some of those as light bulbs, actually. <laughs> but no, really beautiful. If you really look for it, it's quite interesting. It's really extreme. I mean, it really has this iridescent shine to it. I never, I've never noticed that before. And, you know, the thing that really is just you, sh- <laughs> you, you can't see me grinning right now, but I am grinning because oh, we can hear you it. probably have you probably have looked thought of sometimes going, this guy is just really just kind of nuts right now, the way he thinks about and talks about. I produce. don't think this changes that. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> anyway, you're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Haber. I'm Mark Wilkay. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic today is old wife tales. We dug deep into legendary remedies, tried and perhaps true, folklore versus science. And um, who wants to start? Actually, Mark, why don't you chip away? You have a, a three. We, we all picked our three favorite ones. So, well, Mark, give me one. Well, I grew up in a neighborhood and we had a creek nearby. And so we spent days at a time down in this creek. And of course, frogs and toads, abundance, right? And every time we'd bring, we'd always bring home these big fat toads in a bucket of water thinking that we're going to keep the, keep them and this is going to be our pets and they're going to oh, live I in the backyard. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and I guarantee you, I heard, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that if you handle these toads, you're going to end up with warts all over your hands. Oh, right? I, I heard, I heard if you up. kiss them, they all become princes. <laughs> Weird. I guess it depends on where you grow up. No, I have to say this is absolutely one that made it to my area of the world too. We used to, that was really my belief is that that's how you got warts on your hand because you were out hanging out with frogs. That's discrimination towards toads, I would say, because in Germany, honestly, it's the opposite. In Germany, a toad takes the wart away. If you let a toad run over your hand and you happen to have a, a wart, it actually takes it with it. Because the when you look at a toad and 
it looks kind of warty. That's the the words she took away from from other people. It's actually it's a healer. A toad is a healer. And just the difference in geography <laughs> on how the how the wives' tale or the tail became unbelievable. Well, both can't be true. So. Which is true. Mine is true. Or is either or is neither. <laughs> well, 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 it's actually neither. And, and because it comes, from a, it comes from a virus. It comes from the, the papilloma virus, which only humans can get. And frankly, those are not warts on toads. Those are glands on the outside of their skin. And so, really? so, there's, so there's nothing true about it. But <laughs> as kids, we believed it. And You and just up, took Santa Claus away from me. <laughs> <laughs> next, oh. next you will tell me that Santa Claus doesn't exist either, right? Oh, I would never say that. Yeah. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic today, obviously, old wives' tales, legendary remedies. Tried and perhaps too, we're shedding light for First one was the toad, whatever you may believe. There's no scientific evidence of everything Mark just told us. Yes, Sita. So going back to differences around the world, Helga, you have one that I think it's very classically German. I think I've heard it here too, but what can you tell us about this very specific <sighs> wives' tale that you heard since it's, the day you heard it's anything? It's so not a wives' tale. It's so true. But um, yes, it's putting goose fat on your chest. And I love that we did this, that we're doing this episode today because in my research I found, which I've, you know, I've never even thought of that again. I have not had goose fat on my chest in, in days. No, in, in <laughs> years. <laughs> in years. Um, but I remember, you know, four, five, six years old, um, really one of those vivid ch childhood memories is whenever I was sick and I played in the water nonstop and I, I was sick a lot. Um, I, I was a pretty strong kid, but... Um, you know, that cold or that flu or that chest congestion or whatever it may be. Um, I remember my mom putting a thick layer of goose fat on my chest and then putting like brown baking parchment paper on top so that you wouldn't put it all over the, the sheets and then being tucked in. And the next morning, I was right back in the water playing. And so in my, in my research, um, it actually turns out that that fat – and I guess back then goose fat was readily available and, you know, 100, 200, many hundred year remedy already used. Goose fat became the, the one fat people would use for that. But just putting fat on your chest keeps the heat, which is the healing heat that you want, of your own body on your chest. So you could now use Vaseline-based products, mineral oil, um, whatever's out there, maybe even with some eucalyptus for you know while you're breathing it in, while you're heating up that fat. But really, the insulation of the fat on your chest keeps the chest warm, and that actually heals you. So that is a wonderful folk remedy, tried and true. Trust me, over you know several dozen times on my chest, and actually sci some science behind it. I That's that really was cool. Very cool. Yes. I just thought they were getting ready for you to chum, you know, off the boat. They were going to toss you in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you float really well with that too. But in my research, what was really funny was there's the Goose Fat Information Service site. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, Everything so you ever wanted to know about Goose Fat goose and fat. more. <laughs> Different uses, um, you know, what to use it for, and uh, including putting it on your chest and um, why. Um, you know, why it would heal you and putting parchment paper on it, exactly how my mom did it. That's goosefat.co.uk. It's a British site. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the goose fat site. <laughs> the goose fat. The goose fat information service. Hey, you're here. It worked. Check it, it out. It worked. Well, along the lines of getting the flu, 
I have another really interesting one to share with you. And you something that's so interesting about this whole line of the health related ones, which, you know, obviously, these are the ones that we picked because we do focus so much on health and well being. But at the beginning of the show is talking about how the term old wives tales comes from midwives who were the people you would go to for, you know, healing advice. And a lot of these old wives tales started as a way to demystify disease because they knew much less about it then than we know now. And so for better or worse, these are traditions that people have done for health or safety and sometimes they work and you can't describe why and sometimes they don't but this one goes back really far and this is the folk myth that or true or false the folk myth that cut onions absorb flu bacteria and viruses that cause disease so oh mr Proto's guy you didn't you mention that once in a show that i heard that too yes cut onions absorb everything Right. All everything that's in the in air, the room, right? Yes. That's that's dangerous for your health. And this goes back all the way to the times of the bubonic plague and Black Death in like the 14th century. There's a story about a farmer who was visiting homes and every farm that he arrived upon Somebody had suffered from the bubonic plague. And then he arrives at one farm and nobody's sick. And he says, well, what did you do differently? And she said, well, I keep a bowl of onions in every room of the house. So he believed that must have been what happened. And it kept going on that people would use it for flus. And if you leave it out, it eventually gets black. And that's because it absorbed all of the bacteria and the viruses that were in the air so that you didn't breathe them in. Mark, I wish people could <laughs> yeah, see your face Wrinkles right now. <laughs> on Mark's forehead. Uh, Mr. Produce is not quite convinced yet. But Sita, what did you find? So what's, <laughs> what's really interesting about this to me is, yes, they're very porous. So I would think that This, this one could pot could potentially be true. But in my research, I found that there is a journalist who really dug deep. His name's David Emery. And he said it's been proven now that viruses and bacteria can become airborne via droplets of saliva and mucus when people cough or sneeze. But they do not, generally speaking, um, hover in the atmosphere like gases and odors. So you aren't going to have an onion absorbing these bacteria and viruses from the air. There is no scientific evidence that supports the fact that an onion can actually absorb bacteria and viruses from but, the air. But there is something about that absorbing of bacteria. One thing uh, that I've heard is that if you leave an onion open in your fridge, it'll absorb some of the, the flavors or, or other yeah, things. Yeah, that's in your the part two of the wife's tale. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I have heard Part one, part two. Now I'll put it in the fridge. No. <laughs> I've heard people say that because they absorb bacteria, you should never put a cut onion in your refrigerator uncovered or because it'll socks. absorb all of the bacteria. Well, it's funny that you say socks because along this old oh, wife's no. tale, what they used <laughs> no. to do, I kid you not, and maybe some of our listeners have had this recommendation to them. If you put a cut onion in your socks and keep your socks at the bottom of your bed while you're sleeping, it will draw any of the disease out of your body and into the socks so that when you wake okay, up, you so wake up healthy. Okay, so to finish this crazy onion story, <laughs> is there any evidence, scientific or not? I have uh, not found any. To either dispute it or confirm it. I found none. Absolutely none. Okay, nothing that, that says that sense. a cut onion in your refrigerator absorbs bacteria. Nothing that says a cut onion on your counter absorbs bacteria. But what is really worth noting is that people thought that onions had amazing healing properties, and that I do agree with. 
because these sulfuric compounds that are in onions, the kind that make you tear up when you cut into an onion, those are actually antibacterial and antiviral. So if you want to have onions be a part of your preventative or curative relationship with food, you're better off eating your onions. I'm going to take them out of my shock. <laughs> yeah. and, and of course, produce. Yeah, of course it has, right? Mark, well, you're the Always, yeah. always. <laughs> you know, it is actually, it's actually nature's true remedy is, is eating more produce. And Mark, we've got more produce, Old Wives Tales, coming up. But before we dive into that, um, here is more of Sita. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic today is Old Wives Tales, legendary remedies, tried and perhaps true in some instances, or in most instances, but not all of them, folklore versus the current state of science. Uh, more on that here first is our very own Chef Sita with her holistic bite from the world of health, well-being, and beauty. Thank you, Helga. Well, the other week I covered the five basic oils you can keep in your kitchen to just about get every single kitchen culinary delight you might possibly want. Keep it simple and only stock your kitchen with five. But there are lots of great flavors you can get when you have infused oils. And before you go and purchase a lot of infused oils to clutter up your cabinet, I'm going to give you really easy tips on how you can make your own infused oils at home. So today I really want to focus on herb oils. There are lots of infused oils that you can make. You can do vegetable infused oils like a red bell pepper oil. You can do garlic oil. You can do spiced oils. But the thing that's really great right now is to take advantage of the gorgeous herbs that you're seeing at your farmer's market that maybe you've got growing in your backyard. So Making your own herb oils, there are basically two different types and two different methods, and it depends on the herbs you're using. The mild, more tender herbs, the ones that are very light and leafy, like your basil and mint, tarragon, parsley, cilantro, those are delicate. And the most important thing to do if you're going to make an oil out of any of those is that you blanch the herbs first. So you want to submerge them in boiling water for about 15 seconds, very short. But what that does is it keeps the color freshness because as you let these fresh, delicate herbs marinate in the oil, they're going to get brown and the flavor is going to start to taste a little bit funny. This method helps to preserve their color and their flavor. So you blanch it for 15 seconds in boiling water and then shock it in cold water. And you combine these blanched herbs, about a half cup of blanched herbs, with a half a cup of olive oil. And I like to go with an oil that doesn't have a very strong flavor that's going to compete with the delicate flavor of these herbs. So you combine a very mild olive oil, half a cup, with half a cup of blanched herbs into your blender and blend it until you create a paste. It's going to be really similar to probably the consistency of pesto, but that's not where you stop. You then take this herb paste, put it into a clean bottle with another half cup of oil, and then shake it up really well. Let it sit for one Day, and this will allow that infusion to happen. And an infusion is the steeping of aromatic substances into a liquid until it gets its flavor. And this is a really great way to add delicious flavor and color and complement to your dishes. And once you have infused for one day these delicate herbs into your oil, you're going to strain it so that you're just left with that beautiful, clear liquid but has the gorgeous green hue. And then keep it cold and covered in your refrigerator and it will last for about one week. 
If you want to do an herb oil with some of the hardier herbs, the herbs that you oftentimes can get drier or even dried, things like thyme or rosemary, these ones you don't have to blanch. You can start just by mincing these herbs and then combining your minced herbs with the olive oil, shake it up, and these only need to infuse for about two hours. And they last a little bit longer in the refrigerator. Once you're ready to use it, you want to strain it as you go. But if you keep it covered in the refrigerator, they can last up to one month. So experiment with these gorgeous herbs that you have in the market and at home right now. Make some delicious oils that you can put on salads and pastas and anything that your culinary heart desires. And that was this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita, Mark, aromatic herbs, uh, oils it infused. Is, it is such a great time for fresh herbs right now. You just walk the market and there's just bunches and you just, you. I can't help but run my fingers th- along the stems of thyme and, and rosemary and, and tarragon, which is not an herb I use a lot, but in the summer I just love the smell on my fingers when I go when I go. And then the as market. simple as like a, a really beautiful small little butter lettuce with some really nice olive oil and some herbs. That's a whole meal, right? It's so flavorful. Even the actually even the cucumbers right now have real deep yummy yummy cucumber flavor. Sometimes they're just so waterlogged and I, I don't even know what they really really taste like, but right now wonderful. That's one light little summer salad. Well, something that's nice about making your own herb oils, the fact that they hold up for a while, you can get more mileage out of them. Yes, you can use them as a decoration or an additional flavor enhancement in your meal, but you can also use them as a dipping oil for vegetables and breads. Good point, because the oil preserves them fully, right? Exactly. Yeah, it preserves that flavor. And you can use them to make vinaigrette. So, Helga, you were talking about how delicious the lettuces are right now. If you used a basil oil with a vinegar or a lemon juice, you're going to get that herb flavor in your dressing but very, very quickly. Love it. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. That was Sita's Holistic Bite. And we are talking about old wives' tales this week, legendary remedies, tried and true, for the most part at least. We'll find out folklore or science. Uh, More on that when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. SPUD stands for Sustainable Produce Urban Delivery. SPUD delivers the highest quality organic produce and the best locally sourced grocery items one can find directly to your doorstep. It's easy, it's convenient, and it supports your local economy. On every delivery day, SPUD takes at least 100 cars off the road that would have otherwise been driving to the grocery store. Reduce your carbon footprint, save time, and save money when grocery shopping with SPUD. Place your order today at spud.com. That's S-P-U-D At Eden Foods, we've always strived to have a strong, positive impact on farming practices and food processing techniques. As the oldest natural and organic food company in North America, our business practices and products endeavor to contribute to a peaceful evolution on Earth. We encourage everyone to be knowledgeable, discerning, and proactively involved buyers, as we are. Look for organic grains, beans, beverages, and more by Eden Foods at your local co-ops, natural food stores, and online at EdenFoods.com. 
Are you committed to green, socially responsible, and sustainable business practices? Percepticon can help with eco-friendly internet solutions, website design services, e-commerce solutions, mobile apps, and high-performance internet hosting for your business. Percepticon is a full-service agency that specializes in web consulting, strategy, and technology development, so you can successfully communicate with your audience. Lighten your tech footprint in a green hosting environment. Call Percepticon today at 925-937-9000 or visit them at Percepticon.com. I put a spell on you Because you're mine And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our show is about food, ecology, interconnectedness, sustainability. And today it's about old wives' tales, legendary remedies. We already covered that goose fat on the chest. We covered... Uh, toads and warts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And nobody actually that I know has ever kissed one. So... Whether or not it be- does become a prince is still out. There's no scientific evidence to actually disprove that. <laughs> and then, Sita, you shared with us. About onions. Onions and whether or not they can trap germs from the air. Yes. Mark, we picked our favorite three. What's your next one? Well, you know, speaking of produce, Sita started with, brought up produce, so we have to continue with that, of course. Of course. Um, you know, there's an old, old adage that eat an apple on going to bed and you'll keep the doctor from earning his bread. You know, it, oh, I, yeah, I, I, I know it differently, but yeah. How do you know? An apple a day yeah, exactly. keeps the doctor even, away. Even again in Germany, even in Europe, everyone knows that. So yeah. so here's this. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. It's like this simple food is going to keep you from going to the doctor. And yet, you know, it's like I, I used to go, my mom's just trying to get me to eat more food, right? Eat exactly. more produce, Is right? it a metaphor or is it is it really one apple, right, based on the nutritional profile of an apple? Well, the interesting, the interesting thing is apples are actually – really great for you. And it, a simple thing is an apple. If you include more apples in your diet, they're high in pectin, right? They lower your cholesterol, you lower your bl- bad cholesterol. They actually, because they have soluble fiber, they actually lower your blood pressure. Um, they're high in quercetin. And that flavonoid actually is good for reducing certain cancers and things like that. And they're high in vitamin C. And another thing about them is, is actually they act like a toothbrush. They actually clean your teeth. So that actually can help prevent tooth decay. Mm. So when they were talking about this one simple you fruit. You are so biased. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. And Mark, as we all know, works in a shoe store. No, he's the produce guy. Okay, yeah, produce is really good for you. Great. But okay, Helga. did you find scientific proof that actually one apple has enough nutritional power uh, to um, to to change to change that they actually they actually have studies that said if you eat a- an apple or apples per day that it can actually have a, a, <laughs> a, an effect on that your is health incredible. In, the, in these ways yes wow that's great did you what Sita? so so Helga <laughs> you're giving the produce kind of a a hard time here what else do you have no, that's not I produce know. related well, I shouldn't have sorry Mark because <laughs> my next one is actually um, scientifically speaking not really proven in any way it's um, I I grew up also in addition to goose fat on my chest whenever I was congested um, encouraged if not forced to drink warm milk um, as in drinking warm milk makes you sleepy and I think on average everyone 
would agree to that. There are some people who have no effect when they drink warm milk. Um, but scientifically speaking, there's no evidence that... Um, the hey, 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 <laughs> hey. Speaking, I, uh, speaking of tryptophan. <laughs> so, yes, there is a small amount of tryptophan in milk. And um, from all the studies that I reviewed, it's so minimal that one, one glass of warm milk before you go to bed has no measurable impact on your body whatsoever. That said, Mark, before you, before <laughs> Mr. Produce chimes in, I do think, um, you know, there are a couple of things. Infants, we all have grown up more or less with um, being breastfed. So there is a psychological aspect of warm mother's milk. There's also, also a psychological aspect and a real nutritional aspect of warm fat. Warm fat is, you know, one of the most soothing things you can um, ingest and it calms the body down. It relaxes your adrenals. It's just, you know, whether that's milk or, or a small, you know, teaspoon of olive oil might have the same effect. But warm and fat and the memory of, um, you know, being breastfed, all three could absolutely um, be the reason why people have a glass and do feel tired. I mean, that is true. Whether or not science can find the relation there or the interconnectedness um, has not been yet conclusively shown. But yes, there also might be something to the fact that it it's it's high in calcium, and calcium is a is a calming on your yeah, body. Yeah, relaxant is, is is a relaxant for your body. There's also something else in there. It's called um, casomorphines. It's really interesting. Oh, it's the yeah. casein. It's part of the protein protein fragments that have kind of an opium effect. So, um, you know, those casomorphines in milk, however minimal, again, combined with the warmth and the fat and the small amount of tryptophan, um, maybe that's the perfect storm in a way um, to, you know, actually really have a body effect. Because I know when I have a glass of warm milk, um, but again, if you don't do dairy, uh, if you don't because of, you know, animals, livestock, if you're a vegan, try one warm spoonful of olive oil it might have similar effects on you mark did you grow up with or did you go to bed with warm with warm milk yeah but that's a new i'm starting a new folktale yeah, what's that but look about one tablespoon of warm olive oil yeah. just try that it might have no effect on you whatsoever <laughs> but helga said so and let us let us know if that actually works you can send us your comments on warm olive oil to share <laughs> At Gosh. an organic conversation.com. <laughs> That's my challenge of the week. <laughs> well, okay. Let, there's one thing you said there that I don't want to run away from too quickly. And that was your note. That was your note about the case of morphines, case of morphins. Which you, yeah. Which I find have so been studying for 30 years. Well, no, this is really interesting, okay? Because people have for a long time, this is not necessarily an old wives' tale that I'm bringing up, but we talk about how, how people are addicted to cheese, right? Whenever I talk to somebody about you know, the fact that I'm a vegan or, or if they yeah, want, exactly. exactly. They say, I, I you know, I, I would do thing. it except I could never give up cheese. And they talk about it like it's an addiction. But well, this <laughs> actually gives some credence to that because the yeah. casomorphins are in casein, which is the milk protein. And that's most concentrated in cheese. And because it, it actually scientifically has an opiate effect, it does. It, it induces this feeling of euphoria. And it does actually potentially breed addiction cool so apple a day proven um milk sleepy maybe not quite but 
lots of things still to look at. Maybe there needs to be a, a, a portion B, a, you know, the B part of this story, of this show in a year or so when there's more research. But conclusive, no. Milk should not make you tired. But if it works for you, do it. Go for it. Um, Sita, what's your next one? Okay, it's summertime. So this is a really relevant one. Did you both hear growing up that you cannot go swimming for at least one hour after you have anything to eat? Otherwise, you could get a cramp and drown. Which actually should I uh, should take the mini break there, the transition between you and me. You're listening to an organic conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Helge Helberg. I'm drowning right now. I, I'm Mark. <laughs> and I'm, okay. <laughs> and I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And our topic this week is old wives' tales, legendary remedies, things you've heard all your life. Tried and true, maybe. Folklore versus science. Um, yes, I grew up with that too. Absolutely. Um, being a, a water rat myself, I was not allowed to get into the water within an hour of having eaten. Oh, it was the biggest bummer in the yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's have a picnic. Let's go uh, swimming. No. no. Yeah, well, well, sit there and digest your food. I know. Every <laughs> child has been told this. So this is a really, really interesting one. Because, you know, when I heard this, I was like, yeah, of course that one's got to be true, right? My entire life, the second I finished eating something, I could tell within, I don't know, a handful of minutes, my hands and my feet were cold. So I was like, all of the blood in my body is being redirected to my digestive system so that I can break down my food. So that part is true. You do redirect blood flow to your stomach and your whole digestive process after you've had a big meal. But what they're not sure is true is whether or not that makes it more likely for you to get cramps in your outer extremities because all of your blood flow is going to your stomach. So a gastroenterologist by the name of Dr. Raja Paksa, who is a, a gastroenterologist in New York, said that while swimming strenuously on a full stomach could conceivably lead to cramps, for most recreational swimmers, the chances are very small. And what gives credence to but her... If, but if it happens, don't call him. <laughs> <laughs> but so so what's, oh. what is interesting here is that when you're digesting, the blood flow goes to your digestive process. But when you start working out, your blood flow goes to the rest of your body. So it is actually being redirected from your digestive system. And CNN found that when you redirect that blood flow to your outer extremities after eating, regardless of what the exercise is that you're doing, you are more likely to get abdominal cramps. Wow, that's actually really interesting. I think that this is a really risky one. Truthfully, yeah. I would not come down on truth or myth on this because Who I would that? never. CNN? Yeah, CNN said. Fox News reports. <laughs> <laughs> then it must be true. No, um, yeah, okay, well, that's. That's a tricky one. I'm going to stick with my belief that, you know, if, if you want to, it's not like if you're going to go sit and play and splash around a little bit, you're more likely to drown. But you don't want to do strenuous exercise yeah. after you eat and because you're likely exactly, to Exactly. We all had that feeling, I'm sure, m most of us, um, when you eat and you do start exercise too early, playing around, you get this kind of sh sugar, under sugar tattiness, like you, you feel a little bit, you know, just a little bit lightheaded. You need to sit down for three minutes until your blood sugar is back regulated because all your, you know, energy in the body is spent on digesting what you just ate. Does that sound familiar? I don't know how to explain it best. But tattiness? Yeah, it's like you get a little bit, um, you know, cold sweat, maybe if you overdid it completely. Like in the moment, the blood sugar from what you just ate is being distributed. If you hit it with hard exercise, 
You never had that. I, I think that that like when you're carrying around all that fat on your chest, and then you <laughs> no, eat. No, that's then... different. <laughs> <laughs> that's really different. But really, nobody has experienced that feeling of um, you know, at, wow, I need to sit down for a sec, just for a couple minutes, until my food is digested better. Maybe after Thanksgiving. <laughs> You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. <laughs> Mark Wilkay. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. We're talking about old wives' tales, legendary remedies, tried and perhaps true. Some of them absolutely are. Some of them true is relative. In the eye of the beholder, they might work for you, but there's very little scientific evidence. And of course, then they are the ones that are just made up. Um, this is this week's episode. And coming up here next is What's in Season with our very own produce expert, Mark Mokehi. Stay tuned. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Working from home is awesome, except when it's not... If you're working from your couch or your coffee shop, chances are you're not your most productive. For thousands of entrepreneurs, co-working is the answer. Next Space is a co-working company with offices in L.A. and the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Find an innovative workspace, a built-in community, and great networking opportunities at Next Space. Visit nextspace.us for more information. Next Space. Your best work happens here. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Looking at him, so wishing he was someone else because the posters on the wall, they don't look like a him at all. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic today is old wives' tales, legendary remedies. And coming up here now is What's in Season, our weekly update from the world of produce. Mark. Well, I have a little quick question for you. Can you name <laughs> any produce item where you think that there are 2,000 varieties of that particular oh, item? Oh, yeah, potatoes. Potatoes are 3,000. 
Oh, it has to be two. It has to be two thousand exactly, not two thousand four. No, I can't. What is it, Mark? You just tell us. Sita, do you know? I don't know. Okay. Well, actually, today, and I, I know the person we have on the phone would know, but but today we're actually going to be talking about blackberries. And it's the time. They're on bushes all over the country. You know, the heat is coming on. The berries are coming on. You're starting to see them everywhere. 2,000 varieties, not of berries, of but of blackberries. Really? Of wow. blackberries, yes, worldwide. And so today, as always for What's in Season, we have the voice of the market, Earl Herrick from Earl's Organic Produce in San Francisco, yeah. joining us to talk about <laughs> Earl. Hey, two, Earl. 2,000 varieties of blackberries. Blackberries, how many have you? Wow. How, how many have you tried? I, you know, you know, blackberries is one of those things that, you know, I hardly know any names. I don't know that I know of any variety names. There is, it's, it's this kind of thing where there are so many varieties that you don't even know how to start to understand them. Well, so, commercial, well, I commercially, mean, I would think that what one or yeah. two, right? That you deal with well, and the, the here's the thing about blackberries is there's so many crosses, mm-hmm. right? There's Logan ah. berries, Marion berries, you know, like the Logan berries, an old California variety. It's a cross between a raspberry and a blackberry. Boysenberries is another ca- California cross. See, that's what I thought. Yep. And Olala berries are are another cross, also. So these are all are they all technically part of these two thousand varieties of blackberries? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Earl, t- what? So it's blackberry time. Yeah. Blackberry and raspberry. Let's talk about it a little bit. I think everybody's got to get to get outside, get to your local market, farmers market, local fruit stand, your local creek bed. Get off the road and jump into some bushes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Do not take that last bit of advice. No. You will regret it. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, you want to protect yourself, but you know this is the time. This is such a great time because. It's, they're all over the place, and many, many people, and I know I do, I have my favorite area to go and get wild blackberries. And, you know, the way to pick them, of course, is, well, you, you want to pick them when you can. In other words, when they come off that bush really, really easily and they're full color. Do not is, pick them early. That is not yes, worth it. Yes, and that is actually really good advice. I just picked some just a couple of days ago. If they kind of fall into your hand, you're yes. good. If you really need to pull, they're not ready. They're still tart, in fact. Very tart, there. yes. But yeah. they are. That's a prickly bush, right? We're talking about you need to you wear some gloves. Want, you do not <laughs> want to jump into that bush. How's the well, season, Earl? Well, you know, when you if you ever see any professional, I mean, real real professional foragers, you know, they have leather leather aprons on, long sleeves and gloves that go up their their arms, and they have bushels with them, and they are just going at it because a lot of times these people will will, will freeze them and have them all year. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, her son loves um, loves blackberry uh, pies. His uh, birthday's in the in the winter, and she picks tons oh, nice. and makes blackberry really? pies. What in the a winter. sweet gesture! That, that is, is so great. Sweet. And actually, I have seen people who use cardboard. Um, that is a really light way in your car, in the trunk. Yeah. And if you just have, you know, a few cardboard boxes, you can actually build that little, you know, fortress around you to walk into those bushes or yeah. a ladder, not actually to climb up on, but to push into the bush so that you, you, you kind of need to cut a path into a blackberry bush to get yeah. to the best ones, obviously, because everything else is already picked most of the time. Or, or you know, you carry a, carry a tarp with you and put them, put them over the, uh, the bushes so you can get to the ones way in the back where nobody else goes. Nice. So, you know, you gotta, you got to get prepared. You know, and the, and the berries are worth it right now because this is when they're ripe. I mean, we can get berries, whether they're blue, straws, boys, and or black, you know, throughout the year in many cases. 
but right now is when they're local and they're ripe because berries benefit from that extra day or two on the vine. How how's the season? Speaking of ah, a few well, extra days, I mean it's hot throughout. Yes, it's hot. There's been you know there's been a little bit of weather, meaning rain here and there, but it's it's fairly insignificant. So it's a huge crop in, in in most all the berry forms, and berries generally will respond. Say it rains, if a nice wind comes along, it'll dry it out, and within two days they're fine to go again. Mm. So it's a great year. A uh, lot of great pricing going on, a lot of good promotions. A lot of people do like two baskets for $3 or, or uh, uh, five for uh, six bucks. You know, they make all kinds of promotions like that. Yeah, but, and you're right. You, you shouldn't take it for granted. I remember just four or five years back, um, at least in the, in the northern California part, they were, there was one entire summer where there was almost no fruit. It was all dried up. I think we had no yeah. rain and then early rain, and it was just not, it was not a blackberry year. So if this is a really good year, I think you know, picking as many as you can, buying them in the, in the peak and then freezing them, um, we had a, a great uh, tip already on how to freeze your produce. Okay. Um, so that, um, yeah, that's the way to go right or now. Or jamming them. We did an episode on jam last year. It, this yeah. would be the time they to, jam to jam those berries. Yeah. Jam those <laughs> berries. I love the sound of that. <laughs> jam so, those berries. So, Earl, it's it's a good season. There's, there's an abundant supply. There's good yes. deals to be had. Any yes. other quick tip that we need to know about uh, the season? Well, you know, um, the main thing is, is to get out and get them now, because even though they're going to be around later, this is the premium time where the, the flavor and the sweetness is really peaking. And for the next, I would say, you know, depending upon where you live, next four to six weeks, um, if it gets really, really hot, it will burn them up. Uh, see, mostly they're going to be growing in the shade anywhere. So yeah. enjoy them, uh, and if you, freeze them. If you wait too make, long, somebody else took them. <laughs> that is true. That is That's true. Very true. Yes. Um, and t take an opportunity to, uh, if you get your family out and discover new areas. You know, take that road not taken and uh, get out there and have a great time. <laughs> great. And Earl, before we let you go, we know that you, as the quality control manager, are letting us know what are the best items to get this month. And in the month of July, Earl's yeah. pick of the month is featuring two really great fruits you need to get before they go out of season. What are those? Well, the peaches continue. And this is, I think, I think Mark and I both agree, July is probably the best uh, month for, for stone fruit and peaches there. The varieties have, have gotten really creamy and, and juicy and dense. The other item is um, melons are, are really coming on now. After the 4th of July, a lot of different areas open up with melons, meaning that it's been hot enough. The melons have gotten to that perfect stage of ripeness, and they're coming in. And we're talking about galias especially right now. Um, nice. That's a, a melon that it's hard to pick one not ripe. So if you, if you found yourself going, ah, I've always had a hard time, Get out there, get the good golden color, highly netted, and I think you, this, you'll find a lot of good ones out right now. Perfect. And if you're lucky enough, um, walk into your grocery store and look at the produce department, and there might be an Earl's Pick of the Month heard <laughs> on an organic conversation uh, signage guaranteeing that that is the best produce right now. Um, uh, particularly in stores in in and around the San Francisco Bay Area, but 
um, wherever you listen to the show. Check it out. And otherwise, ask your produce manager and try it. Taste it. Don't buy anything you can't taste right now because this is, there's, this is the time of peak performance in yep. the world of produce. Thanks so much, Earl. Wonderful. Ask to for have samples. You. Yeah, ask for samples. <laughs> and if you don't get them, there will be foxes and birds on those bushes getting them before you even know it. I guarantee it. <laughs> That's really true. Now, <laughs> Thank th you, Earl. Thanks, Earl. Hey. Thanks so much. Great talking great, to you. Great to have you. You too. Bye. Bye now. Yes. Wow. Galea melons, peaches, which we mentioned in the beginning of the show. Oh, and, and blackberries. Um, blackberries. Oof. And none of those are wives' tales. Our topic today is, though, <laughs> old wives' tales, legendary remedies, tried and most often true. Um, we talked about milk and we talked about uh, oh, toad. Yeah. apple away and, and the, on, the toad not to kiss or does it take the wart away or not. Uh, we're almost out of time. but um, Yeah, we didn't get to, to go through our last three favorites. Yeah, but something that is really interesting about this whole idea about looking at folk medicine is that when this started, it was a way, like I said, to demystify disease. And a lot of these that we're saying now, there isn't any scientific evidence to prove. What we're saying is that modern medicine now knows more than folk medicine knew then. But does modern medicine really know everything yet? And I think that that's up for you to decide. Because for me, with a lot of these things... I find myself erring towards the side of what I was told my whole life because even if it works for me and there's no evidence to back it up, it's still something oh, that works for me. Absolutely. If it works for you, who needs science, really? That is, that's absolutely true. If you fall asleep doing whatever you need to do before, um, then, yeah, if you meditate before, whatever you need to eat, whatever makes you sleep well, that is your medicine. And, um, you know, there's, there's no science that can disprove that or prove that. Uh, that we need in order to know what works for us, which is really that body intelligence, that body language um, that we, you know, can listen to if we choose to. Beautiful. And if in doubt, it's always produce. Produce is always the answer. That, that, that's true. Produce is always <laughs> the answer. If you stick with that, then you'll always be good. Yes. Words of Wisdom, that was my organic moment, brought to you by Mark. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. We hope you loved the show. We'll be back with more next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>